Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and you're listening to an episode in the Princeton University Press Ideas podcast, which we produce at the NBN with our friends at Princeton University Press. Today, I'm very pleased to say we have Noah Eisenberg on the show, and we'll be discussing a book that he edited called Billy Wilder on Assignment, Dispatches from Weimar, Berlin, and Interwar Vienna. I should say that these um, pieces in the book were translated by Shelley Frisch. She was unable to be with us today, but we, 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 it's appropriate that we remember her and her good work. Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marshall. Good to be here. Absolutely. Could you begin the podcast by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, as you said, my name is Noah Eisenberg. I, uh, am a professor. I hold the, uh, George Christian Centennial, uh, uh, professor and chair of, uh, it's a, God, it's a mouthful, of the Department <laughs> of Radio, Television, Film here at the University of Texas at Austin, which is where I'm speaking to you from, from Austin, Texas. And um, I'm a film historian by training. I am the author, most recently, of a book called We'll Always Have Casablanca, The Life, Legend, and Afterlife of Hollywood's Most Beloved Movie that Norton published back in 2017. And I'm currently writing a book for Norton and for Faber in the UK, uh, same editors of the, as, the, as the Casablanca project on Some Like It Hot, on Billy Wilder's uh, Great American Sex Comedy. So that's, that's in the works. And I'm writing at the same time a short interpretive biography of Wilder for the Yale Jewish Live series. The Yale, oh, the Univers- Yale the, Jewish the, Live the, series, yeah. yeah, yeah Yale I, University Press. I, I noticed the, the appearance of the Yale Jewish Live theory, uh, series, and we're trying to get as many of those on the New Books Network as we can. I, th- I think they're terrific. Um, yeah, I feel uh, very lucky. But the, the order in which I need to finish these projects, I need I need to finish the Some Like It Hot book first, and then these uh, short interpretive biographies that you've noted at the Yale Jewish Live series. Then I, then I get to the uh, the little one on on Billy Wilder. So that's well, let's, that's let's, my let's story. Talk about one that you have in the can. Yeah. A, is that a film metaphor? <laughs> it is can? a film metaphor. I, th- yes, I think it exactly. is. Yes, it is. in the can, in the can, and that is Billy Wilder on assignment. Uh, how did this book come about? So. We need to go back in time um, a good 30 years when I was a graduate student uh, at UC Berkeley and was doing dissertation research. Um, so this is in the mid-90s. I, I stumbled upon a number of these early writings by Wilder. And, um, and it was soon, soon after I finished up that, that, that uh, degree and started teaching at Wesleyan University up in Middletown, Connecticut, that a volume of those writings appeared in German. It was called The Prince von Wales geht auf Urlaub. The Prince of Wales goes on holiday. One of the pieces <laughs> that's included here in this collection. Um, and I was just, I couldn't believe that these, that these just gems of, of early Wilder were, were unavailable in English. And I am not a terribly translated, a terribly talented translator. And so Flash forward a couple decades, by the time we actually embarked upon this project with uh, the the great uh, editorial team at Princeton University Press, helmed by Anne Severese, I was just thrilled that Shelley Frisch, who's an enormously talented translator, was able to take on this job and to do it with such aplomb. 
So that's essentially, there are two, there are two volume, separate volumes. There's the one I mentioned, The Prince of Wales Goes on Holiday. There's another one that was just called Billy, spelled in the original way in which he, he spelled his name, which is I-E rather than mm-hmm. the Y. Um, and it's on his Viennese, you know, his, his work as a, as a reporter in Vienna. So the, the first one was largely his Berlin writings. And the other, his, you know, what we've done is we've kind of coupled the two here. Um, that's what I've done as editor. Um, and speak a bit about that in the editor's introduction as well. Um, there were a couple couple pieces we didn't choose to include for a variety of reasons, um, but it's a pretty comprehensive and I think representative uh, selection of, of of Wilder's writings as a as a freelance journalist, as a as a uh, well, he's a dancer for hire in the opening, <laughs> in right. one of the most famous pieces, but he was also a you know a, a writer for hire. Um, and uh, as, so, as, as, as he once said about that dancer piece, you know, he, d- he didn't have the best dance moves, but he had the best dialogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so before we get to Wilder's life, I want to ask a question as a historian. This is always of interest to me. Was there a complete, I guess, bibliography of Wilder's early writing? Are they all no, known? No, did you have no. to go hunt them out? Or did no. they still appear like there's this so, or so that? What or? we did is we culled these two volumes. There probably are a few stray pieces. I mean, there's one, for instance, and this I, I did my best. I did due diligence. And there were some other scholars who were even a, ahead of me on the hunt. Um, you know, Wilder claims that in a single day, he interviewed Alfred Adler, Adler <laughs> Arthur that, yeah. Schnitzler, Sigmund <laughs> Freud, et cetera, et cetera. There are... There are no extant pieces that 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 that, that corroborate those those outlandish claims. So so um, we don't have those. But I suspect there probably are a few stray pieces that are filed away in in you know in Vienna in an archive. I did not do archival research for this project. Rather, I took the two extant volumes, yeah. the German as well as the Viennese. And, and and kind of did my best to select the, the sort of the, the greatest hits there. Um, this was done pre-pandemic for the most part, yes. And so it wasn't that the pandemic, which in the meantime, it's done for me several times over, it wasn't that it precluded archival visits, but that we just felt we had what we wanted with these with these two collections. And so that was the that was sort of the impetus for the project was to take these two collections. And again, going back to my disappointment as a grad student and then as a young assistant professor that these pieces don't exist in English translation, that too was part of the, you know, the, the, the prime impetus well, behind, behind the project. Without resorting to national stereotypes, Germans are very good at this kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. No, no. In fact, I, and I'm, and I'm enormously grateful to them. They're, they're thank, thank, thankfully they do better them than me. Um, and thankfully they, they put together these very meticulously prepared, uh, uh, volumes from which I can then poach my, you know, my favorite pieces. Yeah. So, and that's essentially what happened here. Okay. So, uh, Give us a, a Lebenslauf, as the Germans yes. say, a brief Lebenslauf <laughs> yes. of, of Wilder. Where did he come from? And I think that most people who listen to this will know that he is the director or producer of some famous movies that we'll talk yes. about later. But yeah, where did he come from? So he was born in the, uh, like a lot of, uh, of, of famous directors of his generation who migrated to Hollywood, he was born in the outer reaches of the Austro-Hungarian Empire in, 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 in the, the uh, province of, of Galicia in a town of Sucha, which is about 35 miles southwest of Krakow. 
He was born in June of, 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 of 1906. Um, he moved with his family almost immediately afterwards to Krakow. They were, he was in Krakow until he was a young boy. It's not totally clear what, at what age he left Krakow, but by the time he went to secondary school, he and his family were located in the first district of Vienna. Um, this is where the hub of, of, of commerce and culture in the heart of, of Vienna directly opposite the Danube from the, the second district, which is known as the Leopoldstadt or the Matza Insel, as they sometimes call it because of its high, high density of East European or Central European Jews who flooded Vienna in the, in the wake of the Great War, the First World War. Um, Wilder and his family were already in, in Vienna at the time uh, of the outbreak of the, of the first, you know, after, you know, Archduke, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo. Wilder and his family were already living in, in, in Vienna. He did his secondary education there. He claims in certain interviews that he started university started uh, what would have been a, a law school at the University of Vienna. I don't have any records of that. And I think that that was another one of those hi somewhat hyperbolic uh, claims. Um, these, the, these filmmakers, and I, I give you, you know, Otto Preminger, Edgar Omer, whose life I chronicled in a critical biography, they all started out together. They often late in life when giving interviews would, would, would say, you know, this is before you could Google things to find out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. they would, they would, they would embroider their memories with all sorts of, uh, uh, of, um, Yes, outlandish claims. Edgar Omer was especially famous for this. Wilder and Omer began their film careers together, as fate would have it, in the summer of 1929, when they worked on this wonderful and highly acclaimed late silent film, Menschen am Sonntag, People on Sunday, uh, that was done on a lemonade stand budget. And you have, you have Fred, Fred Zinnemann was involved as well. He, as, as Wilder said of him, he basically held the, the reflectors for, for, the, for the DP, for the cinematographer, Eugen Schriftan. And uh, Wilder wrote the script, if you can dignify it with such a term, it was basically scraps of, of paper that they, that they, that they uh, you know, jotted down ideas on at the, at the Romanisches Café and Kufürstendamm. This was a famous café that was frequented by bohemian types, by journalists, by writers, by dancers, by playwrights, um, uh, theater people, film people of that, of that moment. Uh, they used all non-actors, so non-professional actors, five of them. Um, and it was a colossal hit. It was very much, uh, you know, kind of presages the, the, the work of the, neo, the Italian neorealist directors um, and even, you know, the Danish, the Dogma 95 in terms right. of its, you know, it's, 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 it's the principle of less is more and, and you know, no, 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 no major embellishment. Um, so it, it, it is naturalism, pure and simple, done on a shoestring budget, and it dazzled audiences. It premiered in February of, of 1930. Um, within a few years, Wilder, after after you know Hitler's stunning ascent to power in January '33, Wilder and, and many of the people I just mentioned were hightailing it for Hollywood. In Wilder's case, it was via Paris. He ends up holed up at a at a at a at a down and out hotel called the Hotel Ansonia. Among his roommates there, Peter Peter Lorre, the great actor Peter Lorre, yep. Friedrich Hollander, who was a wonderful composer with whom Wilder collaborated on a number of films. Um, Franz Waxman, who went by Franz Waxman in, in Hollywood, was another another person uh, uh, living in that hotel, and, and several other writers, um, and and and, uh, and and future Hollywood transplants. So so um, he was there for roughly a year, and then made his way to America at a short term 
contract uh, at, at, at uh, was it Universal Columbia at any one of the majors after that short term ran uh, contract ran up. He tells a great story that he delivered on the occasion of receiving the Irving Thal- Thalberg Award. This is something of a lifetime achievement award, the Academy of Motion Pictures, the 60th anniversary of, of that of that uh, August uh, uh, gathering. And he tells how he needed to cross the border into Mexicali. And, and once more, like the Hotel Ansonia, was living in this, this cheap hotel with a bunch of, of you know, European refugees. And how he waited his number, waited to be called up. And this was a very, very strict quota system. And finally, he's called up and he, you know, he's, he's, he's sweating and he, he doesn't have all of his papers because he had to leave in such a hurry from, from, from uh, you know, to flee Hitler. Um, and he shows up, he's got affidavits, he's got letters of recommendation, and he tells how uh, he, he um, gets there and there's a border official who looks somewhat like Will Rogers. And he, he asks him, he asks him very, very innocently, says, so what is it that you do for uh, a living? Um, and, and, and Wilder says, I, I write movies and the man listens to that. And apparently he paces for a while, you know, long pregnant pause comes back, stamps his passport twice and says, write some good ones <laughs> anyway. And this, 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 uh, this, uh, that, 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 that anecdote, that story also forms the backbone of one of the many pictures that he and his, his initial long-term writing partner, Charlie Brackett, Charles Brackett, would write for Mitchell Lyce in a, mov- a movie from 1941 called Hold Back the Dawn, starring Charles Boyer as the Romanian refugee, Georges Iscovescu, who's holed up in a, in a hotel just like the one that Wilder experienced. So Wilder continued to harken back to his, you know, the stories that and the experiences that he encountered, including those stories that are chronicled in his journalistic pieces from the, from the, from the, the collection that, that I had the good fortune and pleasure of, of editing for Princeton University Press. Many of his films draw at least obliquely on these early writings. I'll take, for example, one of his best known, because you said, you know, we're trying to think, what, what would people know of Wilder's decorated career as a writer, director, producer? And among the films that are probably best known would be some like It Hot, of course. Yeah. That great comedy co-starring Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon. Now, Wilder, in, in, before he's made his way to Berlin, he, he lived in Vienna, and, and as a 19-year-old, he starts writing, he starts contributing freelance pieces to, to the tabloid press in Vienna, to the Stunde and the Bühne. These were the two tabloids that were, that were part of the uh, Hungarian uh, media empire of, of Imre Bekeji. Hungarian, I should say. He was a Hungarian transplant to Vienna, but so yeah. Viennese, but it, uh, under his aegis. And he, he writes, among other pieces, two separate two separate articles on the Manchester all-girl dance troupe, the Tiller Girls. And the way that he describes the arrival of the Tiller Girls at the Westbahnhof railway station very much anticipates the script that decades later, he and Izzy Diamond, he and Iz Diamond, IAL Diamond, would craft for, for some like it hot. Um, there are other references throughout these, these, these uh, you know, interwar Viennese pieces and the Weimar pieces that are just taken up strands that are taken up um, profiles, profile, for instance, of, of uh, um, the, 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 the writer of Ariane, uh, the, 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 the French writer, uh, Ariane, la, la, la jeune fille russe. This is what becomes Love in the Afternoon, 
of course, I'm blanking on the name of the writer, That's but okay. this is the Swiss, the Swiss writer, and he profiles uh, uh, this, 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 this writer, very much aware of this, this very successful uh, work by him that he then later, again, decades later, adapts to the screen again, collaborating with IAL Diamond um, in in Love in the Afternoon, starring starring Gary Cooper and, and Audrey Hepburn. Another example before I shut up is 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 uh the 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 inspired choice of pairing uh uh Erich von Stroheim with Gloria Swanson in in Sunset Boulevard his his that's extraordinary my, film of, of 1950 movies. yes that's an, and a, I, I recommend it to anybody <laughs> it, it's an amazing film one of the greats especially of that period one of the great commentaries on on picture making yeah, during the classical Hollywood period mm. He profiles Erich von Stroheim, um, who he also, whom he also will, will will cast in one of his earlier films, lesser known films, Five Graves, Five Graves to Cairo from 1944. Um, but he he profiles Erich von Stroheim and talks about, among other things, his film starring Gloria Swanson, um, <laughs> in, 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 which then again, of course, bubbles up to the surface when it comes time to 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 cast for. For, for, for Sunset Boulevard. So Wilder is frequently returning to these early works. He he is, you know, an American filmmaker to a certain extent, but he never, ever left behind those European roots. And even his later works, especially, I should say, his later works, but not only his later works, but especially his later films, he'll, he'll return to, 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 to not only to the European sources, but also to Europe to film. I'm thinking, for instance, of his penultimate film, Fedora, which is a much lesser film, which is a, a great double feature with Sunset Boulevard. It's another story... I've not seen this, it. Yeah, it's much. You, you can stream it now. It's free if you have an Amazon Prime account. It's for free, meaning that of course you have to pay your Amazon subscription, but otherwise it's free. Um, or I guess you can pay the two ninety nine if you don't have a subscription. Um, it came out on Blu Ray last year from Olive Films, and it's a great story. It's, it stars uh, uh, Hildegard Kneif, who is a great a great uh, uh, German uh, a- actress. You also have the William Holden, who's almost doing a reprise of Joe Gillis in Sunset Boulevard, but in this case, he's playing Barry Detweiler, a producer, whose name is awfully close to Billy Wilder, and Billy Wilder, who has had a succession of, 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 of unsuccessful films. I, I imagine to myself that Detweiler could be spelled D-E-B-T and then Det Wilder, but anyway, that's, that's a little pet theory of mine, but it's a great movie that, again, reflects back on a, on a, on it, as in Sunset Boulevard, reflects back to the silent era in the case of Fedora, looks back at the great days of classical Hollywood uh, uh, cinema. Um, William Holden plays Barry Detweiler, this, this sort of aging producer who's trying to cast this great star, played by Hildegard Kniff, who's the, the title character of the film Fedora. Um, and it has a wonderful uh, number of, of, of kind of just biting commentaries on the new Hollywood or as 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 William Holden's character in that film refers to them, those young the, the young the young kids with beards, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the Coppola, Spielberg, Scorsese, yeah, right. etc. Um, and it's a great film. But 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 throughout his career, he he does go back to to these sources, um, memorably in, in in some of the films that I just mentioned, but also in in a foreign affair with with his with his lifelong friend Marlene Dietrich. In, in one of the starring roles there, playing a a, uh, uh, 
a chanteuse, as she often was cast, yeah. going back to going back to the Blue Angel. Um, but she's Erika von Schlutau is her character's name, and 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 she is a somebody who had cozied up in the past to the Nazi regime, but here has an, an, an American GI who is serving sort of as her sugar daddy, played by John Lund. Um, it's a great movie set in Berlin. A lot of location, uh, 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 cinematography, lo- location footage of this, the, the rubble of Berlin immediately after, war, this, after the war. This is a film that came out in 48. And Wilder had already returned to Berlin in 45. He was a civilian with the U.S. Army. And he was uh, connected with this, uh, attached to this film that was directed by the Czech filmmaker Hanusz Burger called Totesmüllen, Death Mills, which was a doc, very, very serious documentary uh, that, 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 that showed, the, aimed at re-education and denazification, but aimed at showing the, the German public, uh, population what had occurred in their backyards. So you have just horrific footage of piles of bodies from the camps. Um, and Wilder was involved in that, and it was around that time, too, that he was getting footage of the rubble in, in, in Berlin that ultimately would make its way into a foreign affair yeah. with, Mar- with Marlene Dietrich. Stunde Null. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. as they called it, the Stunde Null, the zero hour. Um, and, 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 and Wilder was, you know, he was, a, he, he was a, you know, collaborated with this, this Hanusz Berger, this Czech filmmaker on, on, on Death Mills, but that was not his style of filmmaking. It was very didactic. He didn't feel that that was the most effective way to, 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 to reach the public. And in fact, he, he wrote this memorandum soon after in which he said, really, what you want to do is we need to be able to sort of slip in bits of ideology, but into Hollywood pictures. Yeah. So rather than hitting them over the head with a didactic documentary, you should kind of, you know, get them when you've lulled them into sort of uh, submission. <laughs> um, and, and in a sense, that's what he does in, in not only in, uh, in, in, in a foreign affair where he kind of critiques this half-hearted denazification and also critiques the, you know, American support of the Adenauer administration that's yep. in our willingness to turn a blind eye to Nazis in, in, in our midst or in their midst. But he does so as well. This is another, another, another Berlin film of his. If you look at the Berlin trilogy, and I mentioned Menschen am Sonntag before, People on Sunday, mm-hmm. but then you have A Foreign Affair, and then finally you have One, Two, Three um, that, that, that he did in, 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 in 1960, 60, 61. Um, which is a great critique. This is a, you know, the Coca-Cola colonialism. This is a, 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 a film that, that, that shows, shows Berlin just as the Berlin wall is, is being erected and shows the ease with which people are willing to kind of move between the two, the two zones just before the wall goes up. Um, And, and uh, you, you, you have a great, great kind of critique, not only of, capitalism as well as communism but of sort of global global uh uh, uh co- you know the, the export of of, of coca-cola and, and 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 sort of globalism before we even spoke of globalism right. um right. james cagney plays the a coca-cola executive who's there to make inroads into the the yeah, soviet I've not seen this one either in, but in it's the soviet good, yeah. block it's it, 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 it's really really it, it, it it's a it was not one of his best known films, nor did it do quite as well at the box office as some of his other films. Um, but it, 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 it's a romp. It's, 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 it's a kind of, uh, mm-hmm. very, you know, you have all of his mordant wit on full display and, and it's a kind of a, a, a zany, right? And it's got, in a way too, it, it shows Wilder's love of early, you know, silent sla- slapstick. Um, 
and Ninochka, which he co-wrote with with a, his then writing partner Charles Brackett. This was his first long long stretch of doing uh, uh, writing screenplays with Charles Brackett that leads all the way up to to, to Sunset Boulevard. So from mm-hmm. basically 30, this is a Paramount initially around 30, 36 through 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 fifty. Um, when Wilder is not only initially a, a long, you know, a, a contract writer at Paramount, but then a, then a director at, at Paramount, um, Brackett and Wilder contributed the script to Lubitsch's film Ninochka with with Greta Garbo, which is, has another kind of trio of 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 of, of Russian sort of apparatchiks, and you see their return <laughs> yeah. in in one two three, which is a great film and definitely worthy of uh, for people who haven't seen it. It's it, it, it's it's definitely worth watching. It's 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 a good laugh. Um, yeah. Let's take just a moment to step back a little bit because if, what I understand is that uh, Wilder was from the Mittelstand, or at mm-hmm. least people that mm-hmm. wanted to be in the Mittelstand, yeah. middle class. Yes. And so it was a, it was a, uh, he was assimilated Jew. Correct. And, and it, it was, a, I think it was an unusual choice of career, if you want to call it that. Yes. And I'm kind of wondering how he convinced his parents. <laughs> well, he was... defied his parents' wishes in yeah. this respect. So his father, Max, was a, he, he ran a, a, a chain of railway cafes on the Vienna to Lemberg line. And his mother came from a family that, that had different hotels. They were kind of, they managed hotels. And, and Max ends up in Krakow running a hotel when, when Billy Wilder's just a little boy. And then they finally make it to Vienna, where he Max, the father, bounces around. He, ever the dreamer takes. I mean, he, he, at one point he's I think attached to a trout hatchery that he's thinking <laughs> whether that might work. Um, but they were definitely upwardly mobile. They were German speakers, and the German speakers definitely, you know, not only did they think of themselves as a different breed from the Yiddish speakers, but there was a certain haughtiness usually that was ascribed to them. Um, as for the sort of um, Nice Jewish boys of middle of Middle Europe, uh, German speaking Middle Europe, Middle Europa, Central Europe. They were expected to be, as as Wilder said in a number of interviews, doctors and lawyers. Yeah. Um, and and uh, he he snubbed his you know his parents and their wish for him to be a lawyer. Otto Preminger again, whom he you, you mentioned, Stalag seventeen. We were just chatting before we began. Uh, today's conversation and and Preminger who will you know be be cast as Otto von Scherbach you know the the, <laughs> the commandant of the of the uh, prisoner of war camp in in Stalag seventeen um, he he'd actually gone to study law at Vienna so he didn't defy them until later but but Fred Zinnemann defied his parents which there was there was an attraction so you have I, I I'll do my best in 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 in, in, in kind of thumb, thumbnail sketch. To, to chart the course of this, and it begins with yeah. it begin it begins with Max Reinhardt, and it begins with Max Reinhardt, who these days is no longer a household name, but was a theater impresario, uh, of uh, you know non pare or whatever, not, not unparalleled, who who uh, who 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 ran in in the Josefstadt, the, the Theater in the Josefstadt, so in the eighth district of, of of Vienna, where where Wilder went to gymnasium, um, he ran a theater uh, uh, there, and. Everybody passed through Max Reinhardt, and including Wilder, they became a part of the sort of the Reinhardt circle. And from Reinhardt, then the next stop for most of these people, especially in the infancy of of, of motion pictures, was to to make your way to the to the to the to the to the studio, whether whether it was in Vienna where they where they began, 
or ultimately to, 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 to Berlin and to Ufa in particular, which Ufa, was yeah. the reigning studio of the day. Yeah, we for a while there ultimately Ufa, yeah. became a screenwriter, exactly. Soon after, so with the success, sort of buoyed by the success of, of Menschen am Sonntag, People on Sunday, he then became, a, so he was able to kind of leapfrog from there to be becoming a, a screenwriter at Ufa. But that was really the story for so many people, including a much of the people I just mentioned, Preminger, uh, who was also a Ryan. In fact, he all, they all began kind of in the theater, while to a lesser extent than some of his counterparts. He didn't last too long. I think he just associated with that larger uh, Reinhardt circle. And there's a wonderful photograph that's reproduced in the in the collection, yeah. Billy Wilder on assignment, where he and, he, and, and I, I give you an, a bunch of the the names that are there. And these these were all big players, yeah, uh, big intellectuals. And, 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 and Wilder ran with that crowd. He begins with the sort of the coffee house circle of Vienna and he finds his people, he finds his tribe in Berlin, especially at the, not only at the, 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 the Romanisches Café and Kufrestendam, but also the, there was another one called Café Wien, coffee, you know, the Vienna, Vienna coffee house. And he finds his, his, his circle of, 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 of writers, of comics, of, 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 of theater people. Um, musicians, composers, um, and it was a very heady time. And 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 Wilder, you know, in a number of documentaries and interviews that come later, in particular, there's one that one can stream now. You can stream it on the Criterion Channel in the full in all three hours of its glory. You can watch the the the, the bridge version. This is Volker Schlöndorf and Gisela Felschow, I think was the last. They 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 collaborated in a film that was called. Billy Wilder speaks, and it came out in the aughts, I think, '08. But he did it a couple of decades earlier when uh, Helmut Karasak, a German uh, uh, popular writer and, and film film writer, and uh, he did a book on a biography of Wilder, and 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 Volker Schlendorf got to tag along with with uh, with with Helmut Karasak when he was interviewing Wilder, and that's really what becomes then the basis of this documentary. In that documentary, Wilder says quite quite poignantly and 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 unambiguously, those years in the 1920s in Vienna, and excuse me, in Vienna, and then especially though later in, in in Weimar Berlin, those were clear, those were the best years of his life. I mean that uh-huh. that was that was the, the, that that excitement was never matched, even with all the success with the eight you know eight pardon me interesting slip there six Academy Awards or other yeah. awards that came as well. Um, but 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 you know, Wilder didn't invest much stock in that. I mean, he he joked later. I I, I quote the thing in, in in life. He says it was much more important to find his name twice in the New York Times crossword puzzle than, <laughs> than, than to win any of those awards. And as he said, and he kept racking up more and more awards. You know, he lived he outlived so many of his of his of his contemporaries. Um, is Diamond his main collaborator and, and dearest friend? Uh, died in eighty two. Wilder lived another two decades, and during that period, he he just continued to rack up all of these sort of lifetime achievement awards. And he he said at one point, memorably, he said, "Awards are like hemorrhoids. Sooner or later, every asshole gets one. Every <laughs> asshole gets one." Um, and and that's basically the way that I think he looked at them. I mean, sure, there was a certain amount of pride in winning these six Academy Awards and other awards, but I think he you know. It, that, that, that's not what it was about. And those years in, in, when he was, you know, really pretty destitute uh, as a freelance, uh, living as a freelance journalist and, and part of that time as a dancer for hire, um, th- th- those were the exciting times for him. Would it be fair to say that he had no intention of becoming a journalist of any sort and this was kind of a vehicle that he was using to P- possibly, make a I mean, living I think it, and meet people? 
Yeah, I think there. Yes, he was. He was always just an entertainer. He was always a, a born entertainer, born storyteller. Yeah. And this was a medium through which he could tell stories. Later, it became motion pictures. But this was a medium through which he could tell stories, and you know, and he could embroider in any which way he wanted. It wasn't ever. There's one of the great pieces in the collection, I think, is the Art of Little Ruses, where he argues that that lying ought to be made a, a mandatory subject in school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really we ought to once you master mendacity, then you then you've got that's your ticket to fame. But 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 so he could always tell a good story. It didn't matter if it resembled the truth or not. In fact, the, the less it resembled the truth, probably the better in many instances. Um, but he 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 does use this, I think, as a springboard for other forms of entertainment, other form and and you know, and, and certainly leading him to the to the world of of uh you know, to the dream factories, the world of motion pictures, um, which makes a great deal of sense. I mentioned before Marlena Dietrich's memorable performance in A Foreign Affair. She played in two wilder pictures. She plays in A Foreign Affair in 48, and then a decade plus later, she's in witness for the prosecution. But in A Foreign Affair, she sings one of her, as you know, playing the chanteuse, uh, Erika von Schlitter, one of the songs that she sings is called Black Market. And and she she she, she begins by talking illusions illusions for sale i'm selling black mark on every kind of illusions and this is precisely i mean I, I i look at the look at look at marlene dietrich i mean i don't know how much i'll make of this in the biography but but i, I really she's very much a stand-in for the director i mean that's precisely what wilder is doing yeah. and what he managed to do was to sell these illusions and to sell them for a very high premium yeah. um yeah. enormously successful commercially as well as critically uh, and, and, and a career in, in Hollywood that really ha- has very few, uh, very few, um, uh, competitors or rivals. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, his story reminds me of people that I knew when I was much younger who got what we call the theater bug. Yeah. And it was not going to let them go. And today they're playwrights or they are actors or they're writers on comedy sketch shows. They yeah. were not going to give it up. It was, it was a done deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Noah, Noah was wilder. And among the other things that he did alongside, though, his work as a writer and then later writer, director, and producer was that he collected art. Oh, really? <laughs> and that was another huh. passion of his. And it began in Vienna. It began, in fact, he had, when he got, he got berated, in fact, was accused of, of as Sheila himself was accused of, but was accused of, 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 uh, 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 of, of of holding pornography of of you know contraband yeah. you know uh, possessing contraband he he w- one of the early uh, uh, sketchings he, uh, sketches he got from 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 Sheila that he bought I think at again at bargain basement prices was was one where you know it's 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 a woman who is uh, pleasuring herself and 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 Wilder um, he collected not only the 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 the, the naughtier the naughtier images from from Sheila but then he had Picasso's in his collection. He huh. had Klimt. He had Miro. He had uh, an extraordinary art collection. And in fact, with the success of his later films in Hollywood, he would often celebrate by buying additional art. Uh-huh. And it was late in life they ended up selling I, I, for a princely sum. I can't even I can't even tell you how many millions. Yeah. Um, but that was another passion of his. And I think that that kind of kept him. So, yes, like one of those theater people that you maybe, you know, encountered in high school and college, he definitely remained true to his passion. But alongside that passion, he also had the passion for art collection, which I find That's actually fascinating. Yeah, that, that is that is very interesting. I, I'm wondering about the I, career is the wrong word, but you said that when he was in Vienna, he was thinking about Berlin. Like that was the end point. That's where he what, wanted to end up at Ufa. Well, was there ever any moment? Was Where was Hollywood in this yeah. mental geography? So, 
My, 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 I'll give you, it's, it's, it's a little bit of conjecture on my part, but I think there's plenty to, plenty of substance to kind of, you know, to, to back it up. Wilder would have gone straight to Hollywood from Vienna had he had the chance. He oh, couldn't. Really? He, he asked about becoming a, 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 uh, one of his dreams when he was 19 was he wanted to be a foreign correspondent. He didn't know English. And they're like, <laughs> well, that kind of, that, as, as Fred McMurray will say in another great, I think near perfect Wilder film, Double Indemnity, playing the yeah. hard boiled, hard boiled insurance uh, uh, salesman, Walter Neff. He, that tears it. He's like, that tears it. That's in the, the dialogue with Barbara Stanwyck. But that tore it for him. He couldn't, he couldn't do that. So he ends up following the great American jazz band leader, Paul Whiteman, to, to, to uh, Berlin in the summer of 1926. Just around his, the, the, just as he turns twenty years old, and he follows him to 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 Berlin. And by the way, I mean, look, I mentioned uh, some like it hot, but the choice to to set some like it hot in nineteen twenty nine yeah. not only brings us back to bootleggers and, and 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 mafiosi and you know you know the the mob, but also kind of takes Wilder back to the happiest time in his life, and you kind of get that 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 those roaring twenties of Berlin setting as well, even though it's Chicago, 1929. Um, but he follows Paul Whiteman. And sorry, you get, I'm trying now trying to pivot between these two, but you get, you know, you get that hot jazz as well, which is another first love of his. I mentioned, you know, art collection. I mentioned the, the, the gift of gab and telling these great stories, but also jazz and, and just sort of the, the popular music of his day. I mean, this is, he may as well have been listening to sort of hip hop. I'm sure he'd be rolling yeah. over in his grave if I said that, but he was following what was, what was then popular and what was taking you know, Europe by storm. And in the piece on Paul Whiteman, he in the, collected it there too in the volume, but the one ends with this statement about how jazz is a means of preventing Europe from being, being kind of ossified. You know, jazz is a chance to kind of, for, for rebirth. And Wilder really saw it, I think, as, as, as this opportunity to kind of explore a whole new, and it, by the way, again, in terms of the kind of Americophilia, uh, Americanophilia, whatever the word is, yeah. his mother was a great uh, uh, lover of all things American. That's how he got the name Billy in the first place, right. named after the Buffalo Bills traveling, you know, Wild West show yeah. that she she saw in in, in New York. Um, but but jazz was another example of his his love, and, and it kind of in a way it anticipates that ultimate move across the Atlantic to America and then onward to Hollywood, of course. Um, but I think that he, had he been given the chance to just hightail it out of Vienna and, 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 and get to Hollywood uh, at the time when, you know, there were European filmmakers who were there in 26. Um, uh, Mornow was about to make his way across the Atlantic. Lubitsch was already working there at the time. Stroheim was as well. He, he would have done it, but he didn't, not only did he not have the language, but yeah. he, 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 look, he didn't have the filmography, you know, he didn't have the, 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 the CV, so to speak. And he didn't have the, 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 the credits that those other filmmakers had. So he had to kind of build up his credits, which he did in Berlin, especially as we get later into the 20s and into the early 30s, writing these screenplays for Ufa. Um, when he gets to Paris and is living in that Ansonia Hotel, he also co-directs a, a, a film called Mouvaise Grain, which is a, a, a story of, uh, of thieves, of car thieves. Um, and you know, Wilder tells that he too was, you know, something of, 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 of a firebrand and a, and a, you know, and a bit of a delinquent, um, whether again, one of those, that's an embellished story or not, I don't know. Uh, for me, it seems to anticipate even more, you know, the, the French new wave and Bre breathless yeah. and, and even Truffaut's work who was, who was famous, you know, you think of 400 blows, uh, it, it definitely is, is, there's a kind of youthful 
zeal and excitement, I think, of these of these uh, writings from the 1920s and early 30s, but also even the films that including the, the French one I just mentioned, that he ends up finding himself attached to. Let me just give you one example, if I may, besides mm. People on Sunday and then the, that French picture. And I'm not sure if I'm mispronouncing it. Mauvais Grain, I think it's pronounced. Um, but but was a film called The Teufel's Reporter, the a, a Hell of a Reporter, Devil's Reporter, which is a, a, a script that he provided. It was directed by Ernst Lemler, who was Carl Lemler, head of Universal Studios. It was his nephew. Um, and and uh, the story is the story of a journalist, uh, uh, Eddie Polo, who plays plays this, uh, the, 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 this, it was an American actor, plays this character. And the character is, you know, it, it's Wilder. It's Wilder as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Wilder even has, as you see, reprinted in this image in the, in the, that I managed to get uh, for, the, for the, uh, Billy Wilder on assignment, where you see a cameo by, by, uh, by, by, by young Billy. Uh, wearing his, you know, fedora hat and yeah, and, it's very and, rakish, and, very rakish. Yeah, exactly, fit, exactly. Yeah. Well, or as, as Charles Brackett said uh, uh, in his diaries, Charles Brackett again, his main collaborator in the first stretch of his period as a screenwriter in Hollywood, he said he has the face of a naughty Cupid. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can, you can see that as well. Um, Brackett was very different from Wilder, and Wilder seemed to choose in general. He wanted. First of all, he needed somebody whose command of English was vastly superior to his. So Brackett was, an, you know, born in, in in Saratoga Springs. His father was a Republican state senator. He went to Williams College and on to Harvard to do a law degree. He was a member of the Algonquin Roundtable and was a theater critic for for a stretch of time at the New Yorker magazine. So Brackett arrives in Hollywood like a lot of you know, writers of that era, hoping to kind of ace, ace his way into pictures. And, and he'd written a, a few novels as well. And they find each other at, at Paramount. And they're a great pair in the sense that they are so vastly yeah, different. Yeah, very from unlikely one pair, but yeah, very you can see how they would compliment pair. one another. Yeah, but Wilder needed, he was known, you know, he was an inveterate pacer and, and, and you know, was extremely restless, always on the move. And Brackett was a bit more sedentary and like his later main collaborator is Diamond would sit at that typewriter as Wilder would sort of flit around the room with yellow, yellow legal pad, jotting down notes and, 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 you know, ripping up paper. And he needed somebody who was a calming presence. And they, they, they worked together very well up until, up until Sunset Boulevard. And then you get from Love in the Afternoon that I mentioned before, um, you get you get uh, the the collaboration the the, the the almost quarter century long collaboration with I L Diamond, who was Romanian born, born to parents who who came directly from the the old country so to speak and who were Yiddish Yiddish speakers, um, but he came at the age of nine and he mm-hmm. mastered English and was he went to on to Columbia University wrote for the uh, for for the for the newspaper there but also for for com- comedy you know kind of comic uh, uh, magazines and 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 had that it, so they they shared more in terms of just general uh, uh, attributes but once more. It was I.L. Diamond who would sit at that typewriter very patiently, man a few words, um, and Wilder would again flit around the room and yeah. they, they, you know, shouting off different ideas. And and that collaboration worked worked very you know magically, as uh, Jack Jack Lemon would would always say before they would shoot a scene, beginning with some like it, Hadi. They it's magic time, and uh, <laughs> and I think they achieved that magic time uh, together. Um, I want to go back to Berlin. Just I don't want to take too much more of your time, even very generous already. But I'm very interested in the way that this group of people 
um, these thespians and writers and so on and so forth thought about American culture, these people in the late 20s and early 30s, because if you look at the way many Europeans think of American culture today, it's not terribly favorable. Did they think of it as a kind of high art in creation? Did they think these Americans are really doing something special? Yeah, I'm not sure they would have said high art necessarily, <laughs> even high culture with a capital K, but they, but they definitely were intrigued, especially Wilder's generation. There were older, and if you don't mind my saying, stodgier uh, Germans who saw America as, you know, a, a place lacking, you know, devoid of culture yeah. and, 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 you know, something of a desert. But a lot of the younger um, Germans, Austrians, cent- Central Europeans, uh, Europeans even more broadly, I mean, from France, let's not leave out the French. Um, but they look to America as, as not only a chance for re- reinvention for those who fled, you know, not only the, 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 the Hitler regime in, 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 in Germany and Austria and later, the, you know, Czechoslovakia, uh, but also after the fall of all of France, they looked at America as, 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 as a chance for rebirth and a place where culture was not ossified, where culture was still evolving and where they could become arbiters of taste in that culture, arbiters of, of uh, you know, new kind of new, new, new movements, new ideas, new stories. Um, and Wilder, so he had a couple of mentors. Um, he had uh, Ernst Lubitsch, who already had pioneered that, who really for American audience created a certain air of European sophistication the way in which he would deal with sexual innuendo, all of that with a light or even a Lubitsch touch, as they called it. Um, Wilder was definitely drawn to, to Lubitsch and, and watched him direct uh, Aninochka. He had to sort of sneak on the set there. Um, but even Blue, Bluebeard's Eighth Wife, which, they, which he and Brackett, uh, they, they, they helped to furnish the script for that. Another screwball comedy just a couple year, a year prior. Um, but then Howard Hawks, he, he, he was on the set for Ball of Fire, another great screwball comedy starring Gary Cooper and, and Barbara Stanwyck um, and a wonderful supporting cast, including Cuddles, including S.C. Sakal, the Hungarian-born uh, cabaret actor who plays you know, Carl the Waiter in Casablanca. Among other uh, among other films, but um, Hawk served also as something uh, of a of of a mentor, um, and I think that Wilder learned from them and then kind of went his own path. I mean, he always was under the spell of Lubitsch, and he in his office on in, on, in Beverly Hills, he had that sign that that that, that very prominently displayed what would Lubitsch do. Um, <laughs> which he would always ask himself and he would say uh, oh god he said a lot of things about Lubitsch but I love the story when when when, when sec- this is around this is an interview must be an interview from around the 70s when suddenly you know graphic depictions of sex are left right and center and he said about Lubitsch he said Lubitsch could do much more with a closed door than most directors can do with an open fly yeah. these days uh, yeah uh, and Wilder who really really locked horns with the production code administration, with the Hayes code, with the censors. Um, Once they were gone, I think in a strange way, he had a little bit of, (laughs) a little bit of sentimental or nostalgic attachment to the censors. I mean, once they were gone, it was sort of anything goes. And I think that he, in a a strange way, he lost that, um, that, that, that enemy that they, you know, that, 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 that sparring partner, the, 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 the Hayes code and, you know, jo- Joseph Breen and his office. 
Um, but he also, I think, was a little bit, I mean, he was not in any way prudish by any, um, you know, on the contrary, not at all. But I think when pictures started to get overly graphic and lost that, 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 that subtlety, I think he w- was not happy with that at all. And in fact, he, he goes on record in several interviews saying as much. Um, and in fact, that film that I mentioned to you, the penultimate film that he, that he wrote and directed, Fedora, is a wonderful meditation on that. Um, and, and definitely worth, worth seeing. My plug, again, my plug for Fedora. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. I'll absolutely yeah. put it on the list. Well, I want to thank you very much for spending time with this. We have a traditional final question on the New Books Network, and you've already touched on it, but maybe you can again. And that is, what are you working on now? <laughs> you've already mentioned it, but yeah. yeah. What, what can we see coming? What's forthcoming? That's an aspirational term for me at this point. I like it. But I, and I'll get there eventually. But I, so for my same editor and publisher uh, for the Casablanca book, uh, so at, at Norton in the U.S. and Faber in the U.K., I'm writing a cultural history of Some Like It Hot, the, the great American sex comedy that will examine, among other things, the, the Weimar roots of, uh, uh, of that, Weimar and Viennese, I should say, so the European roots of that, of that film. Um, but we'll also look for a little connect. There's a wonderful texting connection. Um, and, and that is that, that, the, that the famous drag artist who really kind of cast her spell on, on, on young Billy in, in, in Weimar Berlin and then was brought in to coach Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis is the Texan-born Barbette, who was born uh, huh. Vander Clyde Broadway, who was a Round Rock native just outside, just where I was actually dropping off one of my kids earlier today, uh, just outside of Austin. And, and Barbette was, was brought in. So I'm, I'm going to be at the Harry Ransom Center here on campus at UT Austin. Next, I'll be a, 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 a faculty fellow doing work on Barbette. So that will be one of the strands of the narrative that I tell. But it's still very inchoate. Or the Germans would say Baustelle. You know, it's a construction <laughs> site at this point. But uh, that's, that's definitely on its way to fruition and then this short interpretive biography of Wilder. So as my wife sometimes says, uh, these are my Wilder years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or with the Princeton book, it's Wilder Three Ways, which almost sounds like a, a naughty Wilder title. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah, I don't uh, think Wilder would approve. Um, <laughs> well, thank you very much for spending time with us. Let me tell everybody that we've been talking to Noah Eisenberg about his book. He's edited um, Billy Wilder on assignment dispatches from Weimar, Berlin, and interwar Vienna. Let's say again that Shelley Frisch did the translations of these texts. My name is Marshall Poe, and I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and you've been listening to the Princeton University Press Ideas podcast. Thanks for listening. Noah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Marshall. Really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>